0: This is a good time then to reflect upon his life, his teachings, his example. Right now at uh, Wat Bapong, uh, main monastery in Thailand, they have a gathering of uh, many hundreds of monastics, many thousands of lay people camped out in the forest. Many uh, free food kitchens for all the attendees and villagers, townspeople from around about. Group meditation, Dhamma talks several times a day through this period to pay respects to the, the teacher in the form of pati pati puja, the offering of Dhamma practice. Expressing devotion, gratitude, commitment through practicing meditation, training the mind, listening to teachings, observing the precepts. Patipati pati, Puja. So it's a puja, it's a, a gesture of respect, of reverence, honor. But it's a gesture made through watching the mind a gesture made through controlling our impulses, a gesture that's made through realization of dhamma, awakening. This is the the best kind of puja, the highest or the most beneficial, liberating, and that which provides the greatest gesture of respect. Nothing pleases a teacher more than the students carrying out the teacher's instruction. So this is a time to reflect upon Lumpocha, whether we only know him through the written words, photographs, grainy videos of him from the BBC, or old programs we might have seen, heard, the sound of his voice through recorded Dhamma teachings, or the recounted stories what we've heard from accounts of people who live with him or people who've practiced in his monasteries, however he has entered our lives, this is a time to reflect upon how his commitment, how his insight, his good-heartedness has brought liberating qualities into our lives. How his presence in the world has benefited us and how we can best express the Katavedi. Katanyu is gratitude, Katavedi is the actions that you take to demonstrate that gratitude. Actions made in response to grateful feelings. Alan gave a great many teachings. He was a, a brilliant, luminous uh, talker, gifted storyteller, explainer of the Dhamma, particularly gifted in being able to put things in simple terms, profound understanding put into simple terms, simple images. This is an extraordinary gift that he had and which we are the beneficiaries of. We receive the the blessings that come from his extraordinary skill in being able to express the Dhamma so clearly, so directly, simply in the spoken word. One of the most uh, simple, understandable teachings of his that uh, cuts right to the heart of, of the practice is his regular observation that happiness and unhappiness are of equal value in practicing Dhamma. When things go well, when we succeed, we're praised, Some work that we do is successful. When we get what we like, we call it good. That's good. I'm happy. How are you? I feel good. Oh, that's good. In the ordinary worldly way of thinking, this is what drives human society. Wanting to feel good. Happiness is good. More of it is better. Unhappiness is bad, more of it is worse. How are you feeling? Not good. Oh, that's a shame. From the perspective of Dhamma, it's different. Adam could see so clearly and knew directly that the mind easily attaches to happiness and creates <coughs> dukkha, creates discontent, dis-ease, distress out of that very attachment. That very desire for happiness, the grasping of, of praise and success, grasping of comfort, security, right there is the, the cause of suffering. If we grasp unhappiness, it's painful right away. If we grasp happiness then initially we have a, a, a feeling of satisfaction. Oh, that's good. Oh, I like this. Oh, this is just what I wanted. Great. But then as he would say, it's like grabbing the tail of a snake. There's no teeth in the tail of the snake but it whips around pretty quickly and. The head bites you So in one of his very clear and simple analogies say, If you grasp the, the head of the snake It's like attaching to suffering It's painful right away Ow! I wish it wasn't this way This isn't fair, why me? This hurts Grasping painfulness mental or physical, is painful, it's suffering right away Grasping happiness takes a moment for the, the snake to whip around but you take hold of the tail of a snake it knows and the head whips around and you get a bite it's painful very shortly after Thailand is a country with a lot of snakes even with the diminishing forests, there's still many, many snakes there. So, particularly in the Northeast, this is a common analogy. How do, you, how do you catch a snake? If you pick it up by the tail, you're going to get bitten anyway. So, you take a forked stick, you mindfully approach the, the snake, ideally from, from behind its head. You bring the the forked stick carefully down just where the head joins with the body The snake can't see you approaching and doesn't zip out of the way You approach it with the stick from behind and then you carefully place the forked stick across the back of its neck holding it to the ground You then bring your hand up from behind the stick from the tail end, not from the tooth side, but from the tail side, and you carefully take hold of the the neck of the snake just behind the head. That way, no matter how much it whips around, it can't bite you. Even if it's a big, three metre long python, it's going to be a bit more muscular, but it still it can't uh, it can't bite. You also have a sack nearby to put the, the snake, drop it into the, into the sack as soon as you can, carry it away to a safe place. So the image of bringing the forked stick up to the, the head end is rather like mindfully, carefully acknowledging painfulness. the skillful apprehension of dukkha. When we feel pain in the body, rather than running away from it, resenting it, fearing it, this is a painful feeling. If we have a, an unhappy emotion, feeling rejected or criticized, lonely, rather than running away from it, distracting ourselves, Grasping it by believing in it. Again, we can approach that painful feeling carefully, thoughtfully, from the right angle. This is sadness. This is loneliness. This is the feeling of being rejected. It's like this. It's like carefully placing the forked stick right behind where the teeth are. We carefully approach that painful feeling Pick it up, know it for what it is. Put it in its bag of mindfulness and wisdom. Carry it away. The challenge of not grasping happiness is a, a big challenge because our conditioning is so strong. When things are going well, when we get what we like, we call it good. Yes, I feel great. This is really good, my practice is really improving. <laughs> but it was amazing being around Lumpur Chah, how automatic it was. He was <clears throat> extremely alert to people grasping happiness, attaching to that, calling it good. Why do you call it good? Can you keep it? Who's the owner? How are you going to make it last forever? Not to be negative or sour, but just to point to the the habit of grasping. Everyone wants happiness. Everyone dislikes pain. That's natural. But if that's followed blindly, it just leads to to more dukkha, more suffering. A simple teaching about not grasping happiness or suffering, to treat them with the same careful, attentive attitude, it's an extraordinarily simple teaching, but it goes very deep. It can inform the whole way we relate to the flow of emotion, feeling during the course of the day, liking and disliking. How often do we chase after the liked? Try to keep it, hold it, relish it, cherish it. This is what I like, yes, now I've got what I want, great. To get to know that feeling of relishing, taking hold, yes, to learn not to trust that. Oh, here's the mind grasping the liked. Beware, there's teeth at the other end. when we bring attention to this, we get familiar with this dynamic. We just change the attitude. It takes a lot of work because the conditioning is so strong. But when we do, it changes the relationship to succeeding and failing, gaining and losing, liking and disliking. It radically changes the relationship of the mind to those. The heart is free from chasing after the liked and trying to keep it, running away from the disliked and trying to avoid it. There's a peacefulness, an incredible spaciousness, a sense of ease in the heart. We like something, but we don't have to keep it, don't have to own it. Just like when you, you see the beautiful colors of the door and you go, oh wow, look at that light! And that moment of impact when the eye sees those luminous colors in the sky. And if you try to keep it, to hold it, in seconds the colors have gone pale You can't be kept You can't own the dawn But you can know it You can let that, that beautiful Inspiring, lovely Impact reach the heart Let it have its effect and Let it go There's no need to try and own it or be it, no need to make anything out of it. Similarly with painful experiences and things as we don't want. Things go as pear-shaped as they can. We injure our knee or we have a heated argument that we regret and can't forget. burdens the heart, that painfulness can simply be known. This is the painful feeling. The challenge is, can we not tie the heart to it? Like and dislike are of equal value. Remembering a, a heated argument is painful. Enjoying a beautiful sunrise. It's lovely, delightful, can we see them as being equal, of equal value? One is bitter, one is sweet, that's all. These are just flavors known within the heart. And when there's not an entanglement, it's not taken personally, these patterns and feelings are just received totally as they are, exactly like this. Then there's a freedom an ease. When people would ask Lumpo Cha, how are you, Lumpo? Sabai di mai? are you well? He'd never say Sabai Di. Uh, yes, I'm I'm well, he'd say Po Chai Dai. Good enough to get by. Po Ton Dai, it's endurable. It can be endured. ni ni'eng. It's like this. So when people ask me, how are you? How are you Ajahn? Are you well? How are you? Usually I just say, I'm like this. It's a bit of a wise guy kind of response. (laughs) But it's also true. It's, uh, I, I feel the presence of Lungphu Cha kind of looking over my shoulder people say, hey, how are you? Something in me can't say, I'm well or notices, well, <laughs> it's not quite the accurate response and even though it is a, bit, a little bit too clever still I feel when uh, people say, how are you? and I just say, I'm like this it is a little bit clever, but it's also true I'm exactly like this Not good, not bad, just this way It's this way We let go of fear Fear that the good is going to depart Fear that the, the bad is going to be here forever There's a spaciousness, a fearlessness, and ease When the mind doesn't attach to liked and disliked. Doesn't try and invest in them. So this is an extraordinarily simple teaching, but it changes the whole landscape of our of our attitude, our relationship to to feeling, to the sense world. Changes the, the ground of of attitude to liking, disliking. Changes our world. So in these days, we can reflect on this kind of teaching of Lumpur's, other teachings as well, as we like. Picking this kind of teaching up, reflecting on it, letting it inform the way we relate to perceptions, thoughts, emotions, the contact of the mind with the world. Let these teachings inform that. See the results of that. See for yourself how the world changes when like and dislike are not attached to. And see for ourselves, know directly.